0: Wow, that's it. It feels so final, doesn't it? That wrapped up trade for the year, and the markets kind of limped into the final close of 2023. Corn and wheat were slightly lower, moderate losses in beans and mayo, with cattle and hog prices, I don't know, it looked like they were just kind of treading water and waiting for the page to turn to the new year. Live from the very last working day of 2023, for most people, I suppose, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This afternoon, our guest analyst is Jim Emter of Van
1: On and Company. Michelle Rook has the news. I'll be pressing the buttons, and my name is Big Apple Joe Stackler, and here's the guy that will host Agritalk,
2: Chip Flory.
0: All right, Big Apple Joe, and a fine job you do pushing those buttons, Joe.
2: Hmm. Thank you.
0: Yes. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Hey, we couldn't do it without you. That's the bottom line.
3: Oh yeah. I guess you're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And for the next button I'm about to push, I'll talk to you guys. (laughs)
0: Later. All right. Hey, welcome to AgriTalk everyone. I'm Chip. Glad that you were with us. Davis has been off this week uh, and uh, we'll be back with us at some point next week i'm not exactly sure when but he will be back with us and michelle rook has been in all week covering for davis and michelle we certainly appreciate that happy new
3: year happy new year to you too
0: yeah yeah boy i I tell you the market's just kind of uh limp kind of yeah blah limped meh into the end of the year wasn't it
3: Yeah, it was. And I looked at the yearly closes as well, and everything was down except for cattle. So I think we're all ready to flip the page and go into 2024 here.
0: Right, right. (laughs) You know, and if you look at that cattle market, uh, it it was a whole heck of a lot higher than what it is right now on a percentage return.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, When we hit those highs in the middle of September, we've come a long way from there.
0: Long ways down from there, no question about it. Uh, there is one grain market that looks like it's got some green in it for 2023. And who knows? I'll talk to Jim coming up here in just a little bit, and we'll see if oats know anything for the year. I was gonna say, it's got to be oats, that's the only one I could think of. (laughs) Yeah, it was oats. So, Jim Emter, uh, from Van On and Company, is our guest analyst this afternoon. I'm looking forward to that to to the conversation with Jim. Uh we shared some notes back and forth and and uh he's who man, we've got a we we've got an aggressive agenda planned for the rest of the day here today. All right, uh let's get to the news, Michelle, what do you got?
3: Well, it was into the year, and you could tell that money management was clearly the feature in the wheat market today. There were several headlines from the Russia-Ukraine war overnight, with Russia launching an aggressive missile and drone attack on Ukrainian civil targets. While that certainly suggests greater risk to Ukrainian and even Russian grain shipments, wheat prices were generally mixed. After a solid gain in wheat prices at the start of the week, traders consolidated wheat prices with the futures forming a wedge formation. Export sales in the week ending on December 21st totaled 276,000 metric tons. That was at the low end of trade expectations. In the week ahead, weather will be the focus for the market as a lack of snow cover in the central and southern plains leaves the hard red winter wheat crop vulnerable to a shift to colder temperatures. March HRW wheat futures were one and three quarters since lower at 642 March SRW wheat down 3.5 cents at 6.28, and the March Minneapolis wheat ended two lower at 7.23 and a half.
0: You know, there were a lot of headlines coming out of Ukraine this week, Michelle. Earlier in the week, it was a Panama-flagged vessel struck a mine as it was making its way to the Danube River. Um, Yeah. So so uh, there's, there's reason for some increased anxiety over the situation in Ukraine.
3: Yeah, but it always feels like the end the the end, the last part of 2023, it felt like we got black sea war fatigue. I don't know how else to explain it.
0: <laughs> You're right. So. You are exactly right. There's no question. We're going to take a look at how the markets did on the week here. Uh, March soft red winter wheat futures up 11 and three quarter cents. March hard red winter wheat futures up 19 cents and March spring wheat futures settled just now at 723 and a half and that is up 9 and a quarter cents on the week
3: You bet. A weekly export sales on corn totaled 1.242 million metric tons this morning on the high end of trade expectations. Shipments reached a marketing year high though. March corn futures posted solid gains on Tuesday then spent the rest of the holiday shortened week giving back those gains. The high marked on Tuesday continues a pattern of lower highs and lower lows as the corn market grinds lower. Chart watchers put support at March corn at last week's low of 4.68 and a quarter. In the week ahead traders will continue need to keep an eye on growing conditions in brazil march corn futures three cents lower 471 and a quarter may corn down two and a half cents 484
0: yeah and on the week march corn on on the week it was kind of a go nowhere event after the big gains on tuesday march corn on the week down one and three quarter cents july corn on the week down just a penny and a half
3: yeah it could have been worse i'm sure. Soybean export sales, nearly 984,000 metric tons this morning. That was also on the low end of trade expectations. Traders noted reports from the Rosario Grain Exchange about damage from a recent storm in Argentina that featured widespread hail over about 125,000 acres, but most focused on a much improved crop outlook versus a year ago in that country. The chance for increased rains in Brazil's northeastern and northern production areas over the weekend, limited buying interest, and the weather outlook for Brazil will undoubtedly be the focus of the market in the week ahead. March beans fell to a new low for the week and closed near session lows. Front month futures settled below support at thirteen bucks for the first time since October eleventh. March cents lower at twelve ninety-eight may beans fourteen and a quarter lower at thirteen oh seven and a quarter.
0: On the week, March beans down eight and a quarter cents. July beans down nine and a half cents. March bean oil down 84 points. And March soybean meal down $5.10. Yeah,
3: exports for cotton, nearly 370,000 running bales. That helps explain why front month futures are building upside price momentum. March cotton was five points higher at 81 cents even. On the week, March cotton up 124 points. Good week. Yeah, and in the cattle narrow trade continued in the live cattle market with resistance at 170 in Feb futures gaining strength this week. Export sales of beef total just over 2,000 metric tons for 23 and 11,600 metric tons for 24. Feb live cattle 42 and a half cents lower at 168. 50 March feeders two and a half cents lower to 23.10.
0: On the week, go nowhere in the in the live cattle. February live cattle down just two and a half cents, and March feeder cattle on the week down a buck thirty.
3: And we had another week of strong pork sales. Uh, for 2023, 23,800 metric tons for 24,24,000 24, metric tons. But the negative cash market sent lean hog futures lower. With Feb hogs 47 and a half lower, 67.97 and a half.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Michelle. On the week, you bet. February lean hog futures down $3. $3.37 and a half cents. I believe, yes, that was the big percentage loser on the week, down 4.73% in February lean hog futures. Okay. It's that time. We need to put a wrap on 2023. We'll take a look at some of the features from the year. Think about it. If the, if, if the December corn contract story was being written for an, an economics book, what would it sound like? What would it look like? And what will it look like?
4: My mom's got a new case. I tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car. Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to.
1: Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
5: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. Welcome back to
0: Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. As I mentioned in the opening segment, Davis is off this week. He will be back with us next week. Uh, on Tuesday. You know, I, uh, the, the opening segment, I was like trying to be, uh, I, I don't know when he'll be back. I know when he'll be back. He'll be back on Tuesday. So looking forward to the return of Davis in 2024. I am also looking forward very much to this conversation with Jim Emter from Van On & Company. Jim, Happy New Year, my friend, and welcome to
2: Agritalk. Happy New Year to you, Chip. We're excited to be here.
0: Yeah, glad you are. Glad you are. Okay, Um, I love, love, love the table that you sent me with the yearly changes. And on on the key markets, and if there's, I I mean, dude, if there's anything that just jumps off of this table, and smacks us right in the face, it's that that yearly change in corn price.
2: Tell us about it. Oh, I wish I wish you could see it, so you're gonna have to listen to us, unfortunately. But uh, March yeah. corn thirty and a half percent lower. Soybeans down fourteen point eight percent. Chicago wheat down 20.7, KC wheat down 27.7, spring wheat down 23%, soybean oil down 24.8%, soybean meal down 18% and oats up 5% chips. So that was the only silver lining there. Um, you know, obviously acres being a part of that. And, you know, you guys have asked yep. do oats know where corn goes. Well, it's just, a, it's a different beast. You know, those wise tales we've talked about before and you've just got to come in here and say, hey, things have changed here in the egg markets. Yep. So there's warnings yep. of that. We've realized that now. And now the question is, what is it going to look like once we get to 2024 and look back at this next year? Uh, because right. again, you know, that eerie feeling of how bad will this get? There's a lot of doom and gloom out there and, and rightfully so. Is there usually opportunities that come ahead? Yes. And I think that's where we've got to kind of learn from 2023, set ourselves up for 2024. I think you've been talking a lot about this with your analysts here uh, this week, especially. And mm-hmm. I just think that next step is extremely important of understanding that, hey, it's not going to be as easy that uh, gravy train or, um, you know, if you've heard it word you know referred to a lot of times, uh, the age of easy money. There's a lot of publications out there that talk about it, but we're coming into a tightening type phase. You know, there's optimism mm-hmm. that the Fed can reduce uh, interest rates to some degree, but you're looking at a down year in 2023, and we've got to try to absorb that, learn from that, and really grow ahead. Okay,
0: all of that, I I agree 100% with what you just said. But when I look at your 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 table here, and I'm going to turn those percentages into dollars. March corn down two dollars seven and a quarter cents. March beans down two dollars twenty six cents. March Kansas City wheat futures down two dollars forty six cents. March Chicago futures down a buck sixty four. Um, meal down eighty five bucks.
2: Jim, the the market has already digested a lot of doom and gloom. We have, but you know we've got to realize Argentina. So we've realized all this with a half yeah. of an Argentina crop. Uh, Ukraine Russia war, you know, we can talk about the Black Sea fatigue and I agree 100% uh, with that comment, but you know, we've got to come in here and realize that's all fine and dandy. But when things washed out in previous market cycles, it's not just one year. It's not just two year. Usually, we see at You're least right. that third year before we start to see either correction or reaffirmation, and we get stuck in that rut. And you've got far more history than what I've got, Chip, to go back into. Um, you know, not to try to aid you there, Chip. Yeah. What are but- you saying, Jim? <laughs> I need to be <laughs> careful here. But you know, in the same breath, you've got to come in here and say, all right, if we look back through historically, I thought your comments about talking about two dollar corn and eighty five and the tra- or ninety five and the transition out of yeah. there, and then getting back in the early two thousands. Okay, maybe we're not going going down to 280 to 330, but 396 this year alone could be enough yeah. pain and corn. You know that if you don't look at your opportunities and your whole cards and try to be ready with a marketing plan, you know, you're really gonna feel it because the people that won in 2013 through 2020 were the individuals that really had a plan and knew how to use carry and did not let the carry capitulation or carry decay affect their decision process. Yep. And, yep. you know, we've got to prepare for that and then react to changes in market or else we might be left at the altar trying to figure out what to do with a balance sheet that's showing bleeding equity. So,
0: right. Right. Okay. Um, you've got quite a list of things that you're going to remember from 2023. Let's run down through some of those things.
2: Well, I think the first one, you know, Chip, coming back to spring, you know, you and I got a chance to sit on the air about the the bottom of that kind of cycle there and talk about spring crop insurance. And I know there were others that took it a step further and took it beyond 20 years, which we researched and took it back, I think, what, 42 years? Yeah. Uh, Took it back to and said, hey, there's a strong history here of that coming to fruition and rallying. And so, you know, that was fun to see that come to fruition, Chip. But let's change the narrative a little bit. If we don't have a dry start to the growing season, do we get that opportunity? We, we might right. not. So history is an important thing to reference. But past performance, not indicative of future results. So the sooner you can get ahead at your profitable decisions, the better. You can call it dumb luck or good analysis, whatever. Great, we got our rally. We got between 590, 630. People were able to grab onto the market and then roll into an impressive carry by harvest that came together very well last year. So that's kind of the first thing that really jumps out to us is you know that ability, if you implemented what we talked about uh, there this spring, really came to fruition. And so listeners, you know, you got to pay attention to those details. And there's a lot of great analysts on your show, Chip. And I compliment you for that. The second thing here is the spring wheat ratings. You know, terrible spring wheat ratings. A lot of people that dove in there and, and saw what spring wheat was rated, even agronomists that said that crop isn't out there, and then seeing that result and what it did. So again, we can do a lot with just a little bit of rain anymore with these crops. Um, You know, that's just another big feature. You know, another bullet point I want to take away is the CME here about five, six years ago, changed those storage rates to 8 cents a month. This is really the first time since they've made those changes uh, to kind of ear note that 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 coupled with higher interest rates plus okay crops resulted in some great carries and it doesn't matter whether it's corn soybeans at their given moment during harvest or wheat, we had some of the best carries we had seen in a long time and really all but history chip. And I think we've got to be prepared with that with higher interest rates likely carrying into 2024, you know, kind of learn from that structure because some of the spreads that you look at in the new crop 24 are actually relatively narrow chip compared to what we got to in the corn and soybean markets, particularly for that new crop year so yeah, yeah. The,
0: the 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 tough part about those great carries is that the cost of storage is heating up a lot of the carry <laughs> that's in the market
2: Correct. And and, yeah. and and I agree with that. But there's just a farm mentality that if I got those silver bins sitting on the farm, I better have some grain in there. And if you're yeah. going to, I'd rather have Carrie working for me than against me. And I, I'm in agreement, being attentive to those early sales and getting those because there's a cost to every dollar that does not get moved. And there's a cost to not writing checks. I think all those comments are spot on. But equally, if you're going to use those bins, make sure you're at least covering your costs and trying to allow for those better basis opportunities, because really where you can gain is better carry, uh, you know, trying to take advantage of that carry. And if you can get those better bases outside of harvest, then that's where you're going to benefit to a degree. But you're exactly right. That cost to carry forward is very expensive as well right now.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. What did you learn about how the funds move money in '23?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing is look no further than the cattle market there. I mean, you you look to the amount of money that bought into that cattle market. And, you know, I think there are analysts across a lot of networks to say, hey, the technicals are starting to say this thing's overbought, but we kept going. And that's one of the biggest things I can say about momentum. And especially as AI comes to the surface chip, you're going to get more and more potential momentum at times as market conditions shift. And so not only did we see that to the extreme, to the top side, but then when everybody wanted out, you saw how quickly we washed out to the downside, and you know this was a market that had volatility both ways, and I think that's important just to earmark because there's a lot of pessimism around grains right now. You know, you've got a lot of people mm-hmm. stepping in with accumulator contracts, cash plus contracts, a lot of sold calls. Uh, even we, to some degree, are advising those, but we're trying to be careful at how far we take them because if you get a shift of this market, it's been a while since we've seen some 17 volatilities chip. So yeah. if you all of a sudden get everybody on one side of the ship and start running the other way Things can happen that maybe we don't expect today, but all of a sudden we're talking 580 corn when nobody thought we'd get over 530 or something of that nature. So we've got to be attentive to those fund movements where they're sitting. And when you look to cattle now, we've had a mass liquidation. And so yeah. if we can rebuild momentum, get some topside counts, get some get, get the extensions going, I think the cattle market has been a great example of how much those funds can move above and beyond what cash is quoting. And you know, that's that's been a real learning lesson, I think, for anybody yeah. watching that market. That's
0: a great point. Jim. And it's a great lesson to learn and to remember long into the future, because at some point that fund money, that fund driven money is going to be active on the long and the short side of the grain markets again. And when it is, uh, we we learned some great lessons. I mean, we've seen a bloodbath in this cattle complex since September and looking at your table January feeder cattle on the year up 21%, and February live cattle futures on the year still up 6.7%. Now, lean hogs, February contract, (laughs) down 22.5% on the year. Yep.
2: So, yep. It, and, and that's really the key. And and I think as we come back to that, I really want to stress on one of your points about those index funds. We talk a lot about managed money, the funds that go long and short within a market. But when you look at the index trader in this market okay. chip, they've liquidated a lot of grains and are a big piece of why we are a lot of index funds sitting near their lower holdings the last 10 years.
0: Yep. okay. Well, let's talk about those index funds when we kick things off uh, on the second half of the conversation. With Jim Emter from Van On and Company. Plus, what should you be thinking about leading into 2024? Let's go to the Pro Farmer Markets page and check out how markets wrapped up trade in 2023. March HRW wheat futures one and three quarter cents lower at 642. March SRW wheat down three and a half cents to 628. March corn futures three cents lower, 4.71 and a quarter. May corn down two and a half cents to 4.84. May soybeans 14 cents lower at 12.98. May soybeans down 14 and a quarter to 13.07 and a quarter. March cor- March cotton five points higher at 81 cents even. February live cattle, forty-two and a half cents lower, one sixty-eight fifty. March feeders, two and a half cents lower, at two twenty-three ten. And February lean hog futures, forty-seven and one half cents lower, at sixty-seven ninety-seven and one half. Hey, give Pro Farmer a try at tryprofarmer.com.
5: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on Agritalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk on this final day of trade in 2023. We are in the middle of a conversation with Jim Emter from van on and company uh jim we were talking about spec money fund money at the end of the last segment and we 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 cut the conversation about index fund short they're a long only fund but man oh man they loved the inflation play earlier in 23 (laughs) didn't they
2: yes they did Yes, they did. So, I mean, you know, that, that's the biggest feature is when you look to these index funds, they're more ETF stock-based traders. So, you know, as the market ran up there, as inflation was hot, I mean, we saw more money and it just post-COVID tied with the money that was, you know, printed and moved into the economy, coupled with the shortfalls we had, uh, derecho, you know, a lot of different things that just kind of allowed it all to kind of come together in an inflationary blow up. But again, ever since that attack on inflation, we've seen nothing but liquidation from that sector of the market. I'm almost eerily similar to what we saw in the washout of 2008 chip. And yeah. and I think that's why economists and a lot of people were nervous about, you know, the stock market and just the economics in general, uh, seeing that potential recession. But now that, you know, some conversations have at least softened for right now, you know, the verdict's still out as to how quickly the Fed's gonna come down on some of these rates, but with expectations three quarters to a point lower by the end of the year, I think that's got people perking up a little bit and saying, hey, from an index fund perspective, you know, I'm not saying they want to buy because inflation's gonna skyrocket again, but the Fed can't afford to miss. Here and I just want to bring caution there that we've got to watch that closely both ways because if the Fed starts lowering, that might bring some optimism for people to start stepping back into commodities from that index sex- sector and might mirror the 06 07 type recovery that we saw in the markets when they kind of first came on the scene in an aggressive manner. So, just something to really watch there as a backdrop in this market.
0: Okay, uh, Jim, one of the things that we talked a lot about in 2013 and, and it wasn't perfect. But that 2010 to 2014 period with, with, with the type of price action that we saw, 2013, as I said, it wasn't perfect. But, boy, it was kind of a roadmap of how the market, and corn market in mm-hmm. particular, was going to trade. Does, do you think that continues on into 14? You mentioned earlier about this we needing a multi-year correction. It, it, if that's the case, it would make sense. To look closely at that
2: 2014 chart. It does. And I think that's what producers need to mentally prepare for and plan for. And, and I think they've got to come to those terms. And I know that you know you hear it over and over again, and people don't, you know, producers don't like hearing that. We like the optimism. We need some bold talk. But I think if we prepare for that, set our plan around that and then be ready to react if something changes. Yeah. That is the approach that we want our producers thinking about as they approach 2024. Because otherwise, Chip, we may look back and have you know, an okay Brazil crop, a great Argentina crop, a, a very good start to the US crop. And we might be trading the low fours, high threes in corn, and maybe trading the high tens, low elevens, and beans. And people are really trying to figure out what to do. If we can be ahead of this, we're still talking five dollar corn opportunities for this year, next right. year in 2025. We're still talking thir- at least we're talking $13 opportunities across a lot of these contracts into 2024. So right. I just think we've got to prepare for that, plan for that, create that our base plan, and then be ready to react. And that's what I like calling breakout targets. If we all of a sudden start getting above five thirty to five fifty corn, pay attention. Something bigger's happening. If we and, and I'm using five twenty for my clients specifically off the March, just so we're a little early on our attentive nature. In the bean market, we start getting above now. I'm trailing it down. We were at fourteen. I'm willing to bring that down to thirteen sixty nine now, and say if we get above thirteen sixty nine on March beans, something bigger's happening. Otherwise, this decay is the risk of the market chip.
0: Yeah. Yeah, wow. You you answered a couple of my questions that I've got coming up. Um, you know, one of the the questions is what is a rally in the corn market right now? I've been scaling back my expectations of what a rally is. And that if we would get the D's contract, the DS24 contract into that 530 535 range, to me that's a rally,
2: isn't it, Jim? Oh, that's, I I think that's best case scenario right now, unless Safrina goes, I mean, way south, Chip. I mean, we can't ignore this recharge of soil moisture that we just put in during the month of December. Uh, Crazy, in my opinion, to get three inches of rain, have the ground take it during the month of December. But that's exactly what happened across Alexandria, much of Minnesota, one to two inches across Iowa. I mean, it's just, it's unreal what we just did there. And that's going to change the narrative a little bit. And I think that's why you, myself, we're starting to lower those expectations. So I would even dare to say, Chip, that, you know, this uh, uh four ninety-seven to five oh three, I would consider a healthy rally at this point and that's not a lot higher than where we've already been at all but as we lower those expectations that's what we need to look to that 521 high we had back right after harvest is kind of best case scenario in my eyes Mm. assuming that we get good demand and that safrina corn has some issues in brazil uh like people are hoping or thinking it will so that's kind of the best case that i see right now off march you know futures objectives
0: okay all right so let's get to it your theme for marketing In 2024, what do you want listeners thinking about and understanding when they're making their marketing decisions?
2: get focused on the farm numbers because profitable prices plus carry can make all the difference. We started preaching it there uh, last year. Uh, We talked about the referencing of 2012 to 13 chip. All that continues to fit into that narrative. And basically a quick step-by-step breakdown. uh, Mm -hmm. And the first important point is be strategic about booking inputs and being attentive to costs. You know, Things are changing, prices are coming down. I know there's some areas like land where we've seen 42% increases over a three-year period. after COVID and and those are non-negotiable things more or less. Just be smart about how you're approaching them. But in regards to some of the fuel and fertilizer inputs, important to use these reductions to kind of get whole, but do not neglect the marketing. So step one: once you get some of these things booked and you got a better outlook, get those break evens run as soon as you can. Yep. You know this should spit out a break even number that's a cash price, and now you can come in there and be educated and be dangerous about how you can impact your farm. Next step. Set up those futures targets. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of conversation on your show. We've preached it, Chip. I think a lot are out there that a lot of times when you're at sleep, you know, sleep at night, that's when some of these best orders are getting hit. Yep. Uh, so do not overlook coming up with a plan, finding out where that break even is. And then we use a four step approach of analyzing markets, and we just don't have the time to get into that today. But once you've analyzed that four step approach, that should allow you to have some price targets in the market and just don't have price targets. Once you come over that break even price, start trailing a stop underneath, because the biggest thing I see is people get 10% of their goals or 20% of their goals. Then the market never gets to their bigger counts. And then they only get that amount sold. If you can trail that with a stop, once you get to break even, whether it be an alarm, some kind of system alarm or a firm stop, that's what you should be doing. That way, when you catch that reduction, you start getting put into more marketing. I think that's important.
0: Yeah. Jim, uh, take a break right there for just a moment, because I think this is such a solid Concept, such a solid plan. You won't sell the highs using a trailing stop. But what you will do is you will make the market prove that it is done going up using this kind of a strategy. I like it, I like it a lot.
2: And then what we've done, Chip, is we've taken a seven-point technical rule system to help us when to bring up those stops. Because a lot of people just start trailing them up. I think the reason people get disappointed in stops is because they're not doing them correctly. Again, there's a lot of ways to do it. But my encouragement is to be trailing those up. And we use seven-point rules. There's others out there. But something technically that tells you where to move it up to, if you're just blindly moving it up, you're going to get stopped out quicker. The market's going to come find you. Being somewhat strategic about that is so important, in my opinion. Okay, step three. Lean on basis and carry. Do not assume that futures is the only thing you can lean into to make profitable decisions. If you're going to carry grain, especially with high interest rates, you better have a plan to address carry and basis because that's going to be the only way you're going to pay for those additional costs. And when we see corn out into the 47 area from a to July, you know, that might be too much for you. So then you look to a to March to shorten those payment structures, get cash coming in there. But then addressing that plan so you have a carry and basis plan that encompasses is that last year chip on your network we talked about getting back over that 590 price and being Mm -hmm. aggressive Mm -hmm. marketers there because we were hopeful that the carries would come down the road for those that took that plan and implemented it you know they're looking at upwards of six and a quarter corn when the market's trying to hold on to 490 right now that's that's what you're trying to build on to if you're going to grab carry and, and use those silver bins to a degree uh and then the last part is be willing to adapt I think the importance is, Chip, you can't do it. I can't do it. The producers and market analysts that are listening today, we can have our guesses, but that's what they are at the end of the day. We've got to come in here and have what I call those... you know, breakout spots that say something's changing in this market. And I've talked about that being 520 in the corn market right now, March, I talk about that being in the bean market right now, 1369 was $14. It's now down to 1369. If we get above those areas, I need to acknowledge something bigger is happening. I didn't need to make sure I address any margin risk producers have, I've got to make sure I get some ownership against sales made at the elevator, you know, have those out points that say, hey, this thing's getting bigger, try to acknowledge it as quickly as we can, and move forward. And we try to use that Four-point analysis from step two, along with the importance within there of the technical analysis to come up with those levels. If you can move forward with that type of plan, I think you're going to be happy with the results yeah. year in year out, whether it's a bull market or bear market. Let's get past that. Let's get to a plan.
0: Yeah, let's get to a plan. Let's talk about margin instead of just price. Uh, that's exactly I, I think is what we're we're bottom lining here, and it goes back to that uh, figuring out what that what 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 that break even is going to be. We, we can do a decent job of putting together the costs, Jim, what do you want to use on yield? Are you using APH or APH
2: plus what? Five-year average, Chip. I, I okay. believe in a market where trend lines going up. I want to use your last five-year average because uh, again, that's going to give me a better outlook at what I believe are improving genetics year over year. And that yeah. served us very well to this point.
0: It certainly has. It certainly has. It's, what a great summary of the year and a, uh, a, a look forward to how to put together and some things to think about in your marketing plan for 2024, Jim, happy new year, my friend. Thank you so much.
2: Happy new year to you guys. Thanks so much, ship.
0: All right. Wow. Felt a little bit like drinking from a fire hose there for, uh, but, but great information. Just keep in mind, you can go back and listen to this again. I would. As matter of fact I probably will I'll be back to wrap things up here in a moment
4: my mom's got a new case I tractor and it can do it all they'll hate all day see in the dark with its powerful LED lights hook up all the implements ship like a race car steer with ease and it can also cool my juice box yeah Her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
5: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The truth is hard to come by these days unless you listen to AgriTalk.
0: And this is it. Final segment of AgriTalk in 2023. Wow. Wow. Like I said, it felt like we might have been drinking from a fire hose uh, in the conversation with Jim Emter there from Van On & Company. But there are so many good points, so many logical thoughts that Jim covered in the conversation there and guys, the trailing stops and strategic placing of those stops in a market that if it does surpass your upside expectations, it allows the market to continue to run, gives it room for a setback and and ultimately makes a market prove that it is done going up before it triggers sales. I really like that strategy. Now, it, uh, as I said, it, the one the one thing that it will do is it will guarantee that you will not sell the high. Okay, uh, but the other thing that it does is instead of, in, in it, it concentrates your sales closer to to the high than than uh, if you just do regular scale up selling in in a in a rally. Uh, the The thing that you got to guard against in using those trailing stops is allowing yourself to become more bullish as prices rise. You can't do that. If prices rise, it's realizing your bullishness. You've got to scale back how bullish you are the higher prices go. The way that you do that, my opinion, this is not Jim's talk, thoughts. Um, But the way that I do that is increase the amount that you are willing to sell as resistance layers are crossed. So if on the first resistance layer that's crossed and the establishment of that first stop to trigger a sale, maybe you're going to be pretty conservative with that. Maybe it's a 10% sale. But if it crosses another resistance level and you ratchet up that, that line in the sand that triggers a sale, then you increase that to 15% that you're willing to sell. So you continue to increase the amount that you're willing to sell on the first trip of, or first pull of the trigger on, on sales, and that prevents you from getting more bullish as prices rise. So I, I love it. I, I think that's a, it's a really, really good, strategy um, to employ. Um, One other thing, when I was looking at the notes from Jim and and looking at the table that he put together with the annual uh, changes, get this one, February gold, February gold up 13.6%, March silver up 0.1%. So all precious metals are not created equal. And then you've got the Dow in here at the end of the year, year year-on-year, up 14%. How in the world are we going to take – is the commodity world going to attract money away from even 4% returns in treasury markets, but in in a market that has just delivered a 14% gain – how are, how is the commodity world going to pull money away from that into and, and go into markets that just experienced 30.5, 14.8, 20.7, 27.7, 23, 24.8% declines in the last year it's a it's a big ship that's going to take a, a quite some time to turn The good news, Michelle Rook, the good news is that one of the things that could turn the ship seems to be in play, and that's the uncertainty over the Brazilian uh, soybean and corn crops for 2024. We're going to be watching the weather big time, aren't we?
3: Absolutely, and once the calendar flips to January, it seems like it comes a little bit more in full focus.
0: Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. And not only that, not only the weather, but actual harvest reports. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a few of them out there on social media, but I I think the market has been skeptical saying, okay, that's the worst of the worst at this point, isn't it?
3: It's hard to tell. Um, Hearing reports out of uh, the center part of Brazil that maybe it's the driest or the worst crop that they've had for a long time. And so those are the ones I'm going to be really interested in seeing what comes out of that part of the country.
0: Right, right. What are you thinking about in this cattle market as we get the new year started?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, you have to look at supply and demand fundamentals. It's hard to predict what demand is going to be like, um, especially with what we talked about this morning about where the economy goes and, you know, where money flow goes and all that sort of thing. And I think the supply, obviously, that story is not over. Um, Like we talked the 60-year lows in the cow herd and the rebuilding has been very slow. We don't have the heifer retention. But as you pointed out this morning, it can change pretty quickly. That's what happened 14 into 15. And it changed quick enough that, you know, we put in the highs and then it was pretty ugly after that. So let's hope that's not the, the case, but. Yep. A lot of people I talk to are hoping that we'll probably have one more push up to those record levels yeah. before we get into maybe second quarter even.
0: Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. But that that uh, February feeder cat, or February live cattle, $34 and 20 cent slide from the September high to the I December know. seven low. I That's know. a bloodbath.
3: So it if was. we get
0: that if we get that 30 bucks back, maybe let's be ready to sell it this time.
3: Yeah, and feeders were down
0: 60. So (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Michelle, happy new year. Thank you so much for your help this week. We'll talk to you later. All right, that is Michelle Rook. Let's take a look at the National Weather Service. Six to ten day outlook. This is for January fourth through the eighth. We've got above normal temperatures in the northern Midwest, North Dakota, South Dakota, very northern Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and northern Michigan, near normal temperatures in the middle of the country. Then on the precipitation front for the fourth through the eighth, above normal precipitation, mostly west of the Mississippi River, Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, the western half of Iowa and Missouri, near normal to below normal in the Eastern Corn Belt. Very quickly out in the eight to 14 day, looks very similar, above normal precipitation. Happy New Year, everybody.